Let's just pray this morning as we begin. And God, we do thank you for your word, and we pray this morning that um, the reality of the Christmas story would just meet us in a new way. We trust the message that you have um, come, come to us with. We trust that, God, and we ask that in a very real way, that we would um, not just be met with words, but we would be met with the reality of Jesus Christ. This we pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, um, we're continuing in our Advent series, which is called Light of the World. Hopefully, you've gotten that message already a little bit this morning. And um, this, this message, this theme, comes from Scripture, specifically in the book of John, where it says, where Jesus says, specifically, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came to this world as the light, as the one who would illuminate the darkness, and Jesus came as the light because he knew the world would need it. He knew that his people were living in darkness and they were gonna need some light. So this morning, what I want you to know, friends, right off the bat, is that whatever trouble you're facing this morning, it's not a surprise to God. Whatever brokenness this morning might be just ripping you apart on the inside is not too big for God. Whatever weight you're carrying is not too heavy for God because before you were even born, before your name was even given to you, before your problems were your problems and your heartache had a name, your God loved you so much. And not you as in some big like group blob that God looks at as like one mass of people, but individual and only you. He looked at you. He looked on you with eyes of love and compassion. And he said, you know, this whole living life on earth as a human thing is going to be hard. And they're going to need some guidance. They're going to need some hope. They're going to need some joy that is reflective of the kingdom that I am coming to bring. They are going to need some light, and that's what he gave us. And he chose us not to give us another thing, because we don't need that, but he chose to give us a person, and his name is Jesus. And this light that God gave to us in human baby skin actually does some things. The light causes some things to occur in us. It changes things. Not necessarily in our outward circumstances, but it changes things in us. And so that's what this series is looking at. And so we've talked about how the light brings sight. It gives us a new way of seeing things. And light brings life, as Pastor Marv talked about last week. But this morning, I want to camp out on this idea that the light brings joy. Light brings joy. And we begin with the recognition this morning that this message comes at a time, friends, when there is a lot of heaviness. You don't need to look too far to begin to feel a sense of disappointment, to feel a sense of loss, to look at the world and just feel a sense of sadness. One of the greatest disappointments happened this past week, right? Um, How many people 
saw the CDC's statement um, reminding us all not to eat raw cookie dough. Anyone check that out? I know, the CDC, it went, it said that this warning, right, they gave this warning really helpful for all of us um, at this time of year, warning against eating raw cookie dough, and it included in their statement, however delicious it might be, <laughs> right? <laughs> they like knew we'd be tempted. It included a warning for kids um, to not play with raw dough, including using it in crafts. <laughs> I don't know what crafts use raw cookie dough, but like, if they do, I'm in. Like, I might be doing the wrong crafts. Um, and so I began this week um, praying for you. And many times I kind of sit in the back of the sanctuary and I allow God to bring to mind the names and the families of people as I prepare um, this message. Because I want to be reminded that the goal isn't just good content, but it's actually about God meeting with his people. And so I prayed for you. And honestly, some of the storylines that I prayed over this morning uh, that are going on in our congregation are difficult to say the least. And I was praying for individual names and groups of people in our church, and it was like this heaviness just continued to build up in my chest. You ever feel that way? And then this voice crept into my mind that said, and you're going to try to preach on joy? Like, good luck with that. But in that moment with those voices of doubt in my head that we all have, by the way, I was reminded that this is exactly when we need to remind ourselves again of what is true. That the Christmas story is still true in our lives, that we have been given good news that will cause great joy. And that good news is not dependent on our circumstances, friends. That emotion is just called happiness. And happiness comes when we have stuff or when our circumstances or our situation is right. It's reliant on external realities. But joy, friends, joy is an internal, it's a posture of the heart that's rooted in who God is and it proclaims in the face of our darkest moments that he is who he says he is. In the book of Matthew, it tells us that when the Magi saw the star that directed them to Jesus, they were overjoyed. The literal translation of the word overjoyed is this. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Right? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. In other words, there was a lot of joy going on. Or maybe you remember in the Christmas story when Mary, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth and she's a little bit fearful of what's about to come for her. And Elizabeth is also pregnant, a child inside of her, and that child leaps with joy in her womb. It's such a beautiful picture, but for those of you who have carried a child, you know Elizabeth was like, cut it out, right? <laughs> Knock it off. And then we come to the Christmas story, these words in Luke 2, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, and rightfully so. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. Friends, here's what I want you to notice this morning. 
The birth of Jesus is not just good news, but it is good news that leads us to great joy. It is good news that leads us to great joy. And that word great comes from the Greek word mega, which is how we get the English word mega. You thought Greek was hard. As we look at these words this morning, good news that will cause great joy, we need to remember that God has hardwired us not just for a little joy, but mega joy. Show of hands this morning, how many of us could use some mega joy this morning? Come on. Seriously? Thank you. You know, we can learn a lot about joy from our kids. Um, that was evident this morning. It's evident just about every day in our house. Um, I just want to show you this short video clip. Um, a boy is receiving a now ancient gaming device called a Nintendo 64. Maybe you saw this when it went viral. Um, Kevin is just going to play this quick for us. Some real joy. <laughs> Kevin, where you pause that. That's great. Let's just take that in for just a moment. Um, my kids will not be receiving a gaming device on Christmas. <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> Do you know that kids laugh about 400 times a day? And then I read the research. It says adults laugh about 25 times a day. What happened to us? I read that statistic and I went, man, 25, that's like a lot. <laughs> Which shows you, like, I just have some work to do in this area, right? Um, but I, I love this video because it's the raw, like, unfiltered celebration of these moments. Um, it's obviously fueled by, like, too much sugar and too little sleep, but it's just so raw. This delight over this unexpected gift is beautiful. And here's the thing. This boy didn't need coaching about how to show his joy. He wasn't coached or trained on how to express his delight. No one took him outside and said, hey, before you open the gift, here's the deal. Here's what you need to do. It's almost like, it's almost like the human soul has been hardwired to experience and express joy. And here's the thing. It has. It has. You don't have to be religious to experience joy. You just need to be human. The struggle that we have is not our desire to experience joy. It's the path that we choose to get there and how far some of us feel from it. Because today, some of us are experiencing not mega joy, but we're experiencing mega heartache or mega worry or mega stress. 
But the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And the angels in that moment proclaimed to the shepherds that they needed to walk from a place of fear to a place of joy. And friends, we still need to walk that path today. And so the first thing I just want you to know this morning is that joy is possible. I want you to know that joy is possible. And this morning, maybe that sounds obvious to you, but sometimes I think it's easier to accept the fact that depression is possible, or poverty is possible, or divorce is possible. And if we believe those things are possible, we also need to ask ourselves if we believe that joy is possible. And just because we see the heartache of things like poverty and depression in our world, it begins to seem like joy is more just like wishful thinking than actual reality. And I think far too many of us have just given up on joy. We, we reserve joy as something that's like just for kids. Or it's something like Christmas morning that we experience with a new gift in hand. And we've just kind of given up on living with the joy that's with us each and every day of our lives. Maybe you're someone who thinks you just have too many strikes against you to be able to experience the kind of joy that's available in Jesus. Maybe you think you haven't learned enough or have been to enough Bible studies to have joy figured out in your head. Maybe you've felt hurt so many times that you don't even think joy can be found again. Maybe you've searched and tried so many of the temporary pleasures in life that life has to offer and you haven't found joy, but you've only found resentment and anger and pain. And while joy seems fading or even fictitious for so many of us, here's the thing. God is the most joyful being in all of history. God is the most joyful being in all of history. Do you believe that? As people think about God, I'm not sure if that's the first image that comes to mind, but in Psalm 16 it says that in his presence there is fullness of joy, which means as we get closer to God, our capacity for joy increases it doesn't decrease. As we stay close to God, our potential for joy goes up. It doesn't get stamped out because that's not God. This theologian by the name of Frederick Beekner says this, we tend to think that joy is not only not properly religious, but that it is the opposite of religion. We tend to think that religion is sitting stiff and antiseptic and a little bored. And that joy is laughter and freedom and reaching out our arms to embrace the whole wide and preposterous earth which is so beautiful that sometimes it nearly breaks our hearts. We need to be reminded that at its heart, Christianity is joy and laughter and freedom and that reaching out of arms are the essence of it. Why does joy matter, friends? Because Christianity is joy. It's who we are, and it's what we do. The second thing I want you to hear this morning is that joy is a response. 
joy is a response. Um, this past week, I was able to substitute teach in the kindergarten and first grade class for our Wednesday night program. Um, Chris, my husband, normally teaches in that class, and he was gone for the night, and he was like, are you sure you can handle it? And Annika was like, Ma, she has an MDiv, Dad. Like, she can handle this. And I, <laughs> but he's like, I'm giving you my people. Um, so I taught with uh, Jane Williams, who is honestly the most patient woman I have ever met. Um, and she was talking with the kids about the angel Gabriel and how the angel came to tell the good news that Mary would have a baby. And so she asked the kids, like, if you were going to announce some good news, what would you use? And she had this craft planned where the kids roll like a horn and they go around the room and make lots of noise, which is totally appropriate for kindergartners and first graders. So she's setting up this craft, and um, all the kids are so excited, but the first grader sitting next to me turned to me and said, well, you just put it on Facebook. Like... (laughs) I was like, that is so, it's so fantastic. I love it. But friends, joy is a response to something. The angel said, I will bring you good news that will cause great joy. And this morning, I just want to remind you that there is a difference between good news and good advice. There is a difference between good news and good advice because sometimes someone gives you good advice and you're like, that's a really great idea, but then what? You have to go out and do something, right? You have to apply that advice. You need to work for it. You need to accomplish something. Maybe you go on Pinterest or watch some YouTube videos of what all the other people did and how yours will never turn out that same way, right? That's what happens when you get good advice, but good news. Good news, friends, you don't need to work for that. You don't need to apply that as much as you need to discover Maybe you just need to be reminded this morning that it's the good news that is the source of your joy. Joy is a response to the good news that we know and have experienced in our lives. It is a byproduct of a God who is the most joyful person in all the universe. So as we spend time with him, as we stay connected with him, we can experience joy. And some of us need to ask ourselves this morning, what happened to my joy? What happened to my joy? I normally love the Christmas season. I love the lights, I love the decorating, I love the traditions, and I often approach the Christmas season like a series of tasks. Um, Get the tree, check. Like, get the cookies made, check. Get the house decorated, check. Make another batch of cookies because you ate the first ones, check. Buy the Christmas gifts, check. But as we approach the season of the year, I just was not feeling it. And it was time to, like, get everything out. And I went down to our basement, and I was looking at the rubber-made bins of all the Christmas decorations, and I was just like, I just can't. I just can't. And not even that, but I just didn't even want to. I didn't even want to. And in that moment, I realized it wasn't even about the decorations. It wasn't about the to-do list. It wasn't even about Christmas, but I needed to check my heart. So last Friday, I was invited um, by a friend who's also a fellow pastor. Some of you know him from Good Shepherd, Hollis Kim. 
he said, Colleen, I need you to come to this retreat. <clears throat> and then I was like, ah, it's Advent, there's a lot going on. He's like, no, I need you to come to this retreat. I was like, okay, here we go. So it was a bunch of fellow pastors at this spiritual retreat, and uh, we sat there this one morning, Friday morning, in a circle, all kind of weary and wondering what the day had for us. When the words of that hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, came to mind. And the words go like this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And then the very first verse says, "In um, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. In life, more abundant and free. These words became the song of my heart throughout the day. And as I sat with my Bible open, as I ate lunch, as I walked the paths around this building we had gathered in, in those moments with God, I found my joy. And then in another moment that happened that was just like God last week, I was here at church in the lobby last Sunday, I was getting ready for a class I was leading when these words came soaring out of the sanctuary, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And through your song, through your worship, through these words that you sang last week, I was reminded of the joy I had found just the previous Friday. And then in another moment this morning, I didn't know we had planned to sing that again. Just like God, friends. It doesn't take a spiritual retreat to reconnect with the good news. It doesn't take waiting until all the conditions in your life are perfect to spend time with God. Trust me, don't wait for a quiet house and a calm moment because it's not always available. But friends, it does take effort. It does take effort and it does take intentionality to grab your Bible, to journal, to pray and just talk with God like you're having a good old conversation, to get quiet and just listen to what he might be saying. Some of us need to get around people even when we don't feel like it because God calls us to live life together. Some of us need to lament and we just need to pour our hearts out before God. Some of us need to find places to serve and there are plenty of opportunities. These things provide not only connection to God, but they are the very pathway through which joy is found. Which leads me to one last thing. Chase joy. Chase joy. I was going to use the word cultivate joy, and that wasn't speaking to my heart, but I heard an author um, and speaker, Annie F. Downs, use this phrase, chase joy, and I was like, that is it. That is what we need to do. We need to chase after joy because the reality is joy often doesn't just happen to us, right? A lot of times we need to get after it. We need to choose to notice it. Again, Frederick Buechner says this, joy is a mystery because it can happen anywhere, anytime, even under the most unpromising circumstances, even in the midst of suffering, with tears in its eyes, even nailed to a tree. I just want to close with this. 
And I, I love the story of Nehemiah. And some of you, as soon as I say in Nehemiah, you're like, what does that have to do with Christmas, right? <laughs> just hang with me for just a moment because Nehemiah is this great leadership story, but it's also a great story of a community of people working together in the face of really difficult circumstances. And at this time, the people were working together to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was leading this project, and they needed to rebuild the wall, and they needed to do it in the face of huge opposition, lack of resources, physical threats from their enemies all around them. But this wall was important because for them, it provided protection. It provided a place for community. And Nehemiah was leading this. And finally, after years and years, they rebuilt this wall. And the people living in exile came back to live in community and they built these homes and they started to live in the land. And then in Nehemiah 8, we read that the, um, Ezra, who was the, the teacher in that area, he called the people together and he read the book of the law, right? And it was a moment of great celebration. And the words say this in Nehemiah, it says, and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. If you've read the book of the law, attentive is not the word that comes to mind, right? But the response to the law was shouts of amen and hands lifted high in worship to God and the people were weeping. And then in chapter eight, verse 10, these beautiful words, it says this, Nehemiah says to the people, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, throw a party. One translation says, enjoy your holiday food and your sweet drinks. Friends, I wonder if this Christmas you need to enjoy your holiday food and drinks. And not just to put a nice face and pretend your way through the rest of the month, but as a declaration to your own heart and to the world around you that the joy of the Lord is your strength. I wonder if this season, maybe you don't have a party to go to. Maybe you're wondering what your holiday table will look like. And maybe you need to throw a party. If you need some friends, let me know. <clears throat> I'll loan you some of mine. I've got plenty of people that need a table to join. I want to remind you, we don't throw parties when the circumstances are perfect. When we have Pinterest-worthy food and our house is clean, we celebrate because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Some of you, your joy is overflowing and it leads you to worship. Others of you, your joy leads you to serve. Nehemiah said, get your food and your drink, but share with those who have nothing prepared. And you need to do that this season because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When we celebrate, we chase joy. When we worship together, we chase joy. And when we serve others, we chase joy. And I can think of no greater way than expressing the good news of the baby that was born, that came to set us free, that came to give us laughter and to extend our arms to the whole wide world than to chase joy and to get after it. 
So enjoy food, enjoy great drinks, and celebrate with one another. And as we express our joy, friends, as we live out our joy, it becomes real in our hearts, and in that we find our strength. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your good word to us, and we thank you that we can experience it as true. And Father God, I pray for those this morning who have not experienced the joy that is only found in relationship with Jesus. Father, would you make the way clear for them? Father, I pray that this would be a moment in their lives for um, us to realize together as a community, but also individually, that joy, joy is available. Joy is real. And joy is only found in you. In our world, it's all about external happiness, but in relationship with you, there is joy everlasting. Father, call us into that this morning. Invite us into your presence and allow our lives to be reflective of the one who is joy. We love you, God. Thank you for this hope. In your name we pray. Amen.